0: And another thing. And another thing. And another thing.
1: And another thing. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins.
2: And my name is Tony Clement.
1: We have an exciting episode today. We're going to, you know, the last couple of weeks, Tony, we've like, we've been like global analysts, foreign policy gurus, um, international gods, really, when Mm -hmm. it comes to podcasts. We've had a Russian on, we had a Ukrainian on and with the, well, the Russian was down in Florida, right? That's yeah, that was when him. I
2: was in Miami with for the uh, conference on uh, democracy <laughs>
1: and where is democracy going in
2: uh, in Eastern Europe? Yes,
1: and then the Ukrainian though was in war. Turn well, the war hadn't been hasn't been to his area. Has it been to his now area? It like oh, now it has. Like now it has.
2: He's in Lviv, and they were bombing an area uh, west of Lviv, close to the Polish border, over the last uh, couple of a few days. So yeah, no, it's it's getting close to Yuri now too.
1: Yeah, so we had great feedback on those episodes, but today's episode, we're going to move a little bit away. We might comment on that, who knows, but we're going to move a little bit away from that with our guest and get into some uh, some different topics. I'm guessing there might be some political uh, aspects in this episode. One, one thing I got to get off the top, too, before we thank our sponsors is, well, actually, first of all, no, okay, here, I'll say this first. We, we about two months ago, sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to frame this. I know this so is two this months is ago. There's this guy named Clint Clinton who yes. listens to the show religiously. And we thank him for that. He is a political uh junkie, I, I guess is one way to, to say it. And two months ago, he he told me up and down that Patrick Brown was going to run for the conservative leadership. And and I said, you're nuts. Uh, that's not happening. I, I can't see why he would do that. And he goes, no, you know, I've got sources. He's running. I'm telling you he's running. So I said, look, Clinton, if, he, if Patrick Brown runs, I'll p- go on our podcast and promote your company for you and, and whatever. Well, sure enough, <laughs> I get a phone call and a, and a message today. This is like two months after. Oh, yeah. And a very polite message, Jody. It's Clinton, as you may recall, that you said that if Patrick Brown got in the race, that you would pr- promote my company. So would you please.
2: So now we're honor, doing three. Honor what you
1: said. So <laughs> anyway, so he owns a company called Savan Savan Workwear, I think it's. High quality gear made in Canada. Okay. Like at, he should actually pay me for this to be. Yeah, I know.
2: We're doing free here.
1: So you can find it online at Savangear.com, which is S E V A E N Gear com. And I will say this, Clinton, because I know you're listening. I know you just launched some camouflage looking sweaters. They're very cool. You're sending Tony and I each one. So and I'll get your our sizes to you, but you're sending the sweaters over because you know, I don't work for free. And Usually we- I don't even get out of bed for less than ten grand. So <laughs>
2: Well, maybe That's we good. should send him a young Tony hoodie as well.
1: Oh, sure. We'll trade him a young Tony hoodie. He has to wear it. He has to wear it when he's campaigning for That's Patrick right. Brown, though. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Perfect. so we do appreciate Clinton listening, and uh, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be my new shtick now, by the way, moving forward. any Instead of wagering money, I'm just going to wager, if, hey, if, if that happens, I'm going to plug your company on my podcast.
2: If, if we have a whole podcast where we're plugging companies, uh, listeners, you know why that happened
1: buddy i you know what if i did a if we do 30 minutes of plugging companies guess what that means it means we're cashing checks and i'll (laughs) do that all day every week like i'm not even kidding because guess what especially the price of gas how how much does it cost you to fill up your bentley now
2: oh yeah my bentley it was uh, it was tough tough going it was a buck 69 last time i filled it up
1: i took the mclaren out yesterday bud not cheap no, not cheap to fill that sucker up. So anyway, uh, got to give a shout out to John Mutton and the team at Municipal Solutions, our official presenting sponsor week in and week out. We couldn't do it without them, municipalsolutions.ca. And Tony, I know you can share a little bit more about them.
2: Yeah, I saw John uh, earlier last week, and I know he's, uh, he's doing okay given the family circumstances, uh, but uh, his company is still very busy uh, with development services and project management. They do b- development approvals, permit expediting, Planning services with municipalities, engineering services, architectural services, uh, minor variances, and land severances. And if you need a building permit, go to municipalsolutions.ca. And then our latest sponsor is the Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference that is coming to you, coming to Ottawa in person, May 5th through the 7th, 2022, at the Shaw Center in Ottawa. Uh, they're going to have some excellent speakers. There's going to be best practices sessions, receptions, a lot more going on. Go to canadastrongandfree.network to find out more.
1: Excellent. And don't forget loonypolitics.com. You can get exclusive content there, including episodes of our show that you can't get anywhere else. Use the code podcast to become an annual subscriber. You'll get 50% off by using that code. Once again, Politics. .com now we uh, should get to our guest she's probably listening to our little preamble and thinking, what the hell have I gotten myself <laughs>
0: into? And if
1: she's even still there. Yeah, so, yeah, I but I hear her laughing, so that's, that's a good sign. Yeah. So anyway, I'll let you introduce her, Tony.
2: <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I want to give an And Another Thing podcast. Welcome to Vashi Kaplos. She is a Canadian political journalist. She hosts CBC's Power and Politics, and she was formerly on Global News, and she's done some great work when it comes to political commentary. Welcome Vashi.
0: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
2: Oh, it's great to have you on the program. Thanks for doing this. And I know our our listeners will really want to hear what you have to say. Uh, I guess my first question is, you know, I guess we're getting back to normal after this two years of hell with COVID. Is it Is it back to normal in the newsroom now or or are things different or changed forever? Give us your perspective on that just to start things off.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I I wouldn't say it's back to how things were pre-pandemic insofar as there are still people, I think like in many sort of sectors right now of the economy, still working from home, at least on a part-time basis. Uh, But slowly, like I see a path to normal (laughs) insofar as I, you know people are coming back to the newsroom where um, or people less people or fewer people are working from home mm-hmm. uh and, and i see that number growing and then even things like last week we did an in-studio interview uh with a bunch of guests with four guests we've had ministers come in uh to the studio so little things like that i don't know what mm-hmm. you guys but i feel like it's like the little things in life that sort of remind you of what it was like before the pandemic and just not having to zoom a guest was such a such a joy yeah. <laughs> being able to yeah. see them in the flesh um, and so, yeah, it's slowly getting there, but I think like everything else, it's not going to happen overnight just because people kind of, their their lifestyle, they, they grew a little bit accustomed to the way things were and they reoriented themselves and their kids and everything. And so it's definitely not like all of a sudden everything's normal, but I, I definitely feel like it's going that way.
2: Yeah. And no, it's funny you should mention that because I think my last sort of in-studio interview was with CBC talking about SARS and how it compared to COVID. That was yes. back in uh in march of uh 19 well, of 2020 uh, uh, 20. and so yeah it's kind <laughs> of i think yeah, it might have been
0: with us we had you on so much then
2: kind yeah. the of like your experience. Stage, yeah. yeah that's right i think i think it may well have been so and you've got a new uh a new uh baby uh, congratulations so uh, and i hesitate to ask this question because it should be asked of both men and women but you are a guest so Uh, balancing parenthood and uh, journalism and broadcasting going okay, a little bit different, I suppose?
0: Yeah, it's different. I take no offense to the question at all, by the way. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm pretty, I have two step kids who are a bit older. uh, So I had a bit of experience with that just because uh, we have them like one week on, one week off, and I really enjoy spending time with them. So I had a, a, a bit of a precursor, but, but certainly a baby and I came back before the full year like my baby was mm-hmm. uh, just over eight months when I went back to work and my husband's taking the rest of the leave oh so it's it's yeah so it's a it's like a bit it, I found it a bit challenging because I uh, I liked maternity leave so much more than I ever thought I would I loved being around him all the time uh, and I was also really sick during my pregnancy so I I had the added bonus of being really healthy afterwards and. Right. Just, sort of getting to maximize all that family time. And uh, and so I, I like missed him a lot when I went back, if that makes sense. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and the first few days back, I wasn't back on air yet. And that was really challenging. Like I was consumed with, oh, my gosh, did I make a mistake coming back early? But as soon as I started the show again, I found actually I'm really distracted during the day. Like I, I, I remembered how much I love the job. And so it's a bit uh, more manageable, I would say, from kind of an emotional standpoint. Uh, and and I'm getting used to kind of trying to make them. My dad always says, like, just make the most of the time that you have. Uh, but ultimately, like, I have to work. I have to pay right. for his school one day and all the things he needs. So I'm, I'm pragmatic in that way. But but I am. I, I I really was missing him quite a bit when I went.
2: Now, Jody wanted me to cancel this question because my youngest uh, uh, child <laughs> is now 24. But Jody, you have young ones, so you know a little <laughs> bit about balancing act, right?
1: Oh yeah, I've got three young ones. Eight. Oh wow, I've got eight, five, and two. Oh, and the two—the two-year-old is actually still up because she has a nap at daycare, which I should tell them to stop doing that. Um, but she's like walking around right now. But she's when by the time you get to the third child, it's like they just take care of themselves pretty much. I, <laughs> I just right. you know I just make sure I have a Google speaker somewhere in the house that they can get close to and you know leave the laptop open. And if things go wrong, I'm sure they'll figure it out. But uh, <laughs> you know it's, I, I did want to ask you, Vashi, though, because I, I, last thing I would want to do is put put any of your colleagues on the spot or make you expose anybody. But who gave you the worst? gift when you had the child name <laughs>
2: oh good question
0: you know what I can this is an easy answer
1: because
0: <laughs> it comes to mind right away because I so I my family we are big CFL fans and in particular you'll be shocked to find this out are actually big Argos fans Ooh. and the executive producer of my show who's a good friend of mine she is from Saskatchewan from Gravelberg actually so she if you guys know anything about Saskatchewan which I'm sure you do you know that every human that lives there who lives there is obsessed with the riders so she bought like all this riders paraphernalia propaganda (laughs) i'll call it uh for my baby and i was like i don't know what i'm supposed to do with this stuff like (laughs) i feel sacrilegious putting it on my kid i've been born and raised in argos but like we actually have seasons my dad has seasons tickets to the argos like it's not even just you know uh, a fake thing it's real (laughs) and so i i can easily select that i mean it was very sweet of her but i i think she was also doing it to kind of rub it in
2: (laughs) Well, I'll have to get some black and yellow for the tiger cats for you, just to- Oh, no. (laughs) Now, uh, Vashi and I share a common partial heritage anyway, the uh, Greek heritage. Uh, My my dad was born in Cyprus, and so I've got lots of uh, Greek Cypriot uh, family on that island. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and the Greek part of your heritage, uh, a little bit about that background.
0: For sure. Well, I'm a, I'm a very proud Greek. My, I'm half, I'm also partially Greek. My dad is Greek, but he, uh, his parents were born, well, his mother was born in Greece and his father was born in Boston, but went back to Greece and then was sent over uh, uh, to make some money for the family when he was only 14. Uh, and they were in arranged marriage and they had my dad in London, Ontario. And then my dad met my mom uh, in, uh, in Toronto as well. My mom was actually born in Magdeburg, Germany. Mm. Uh, and so we were raised, we were, we, we, we became Greek Orthodox, like we were baptized Greek Orthodox. And I would say, uh, you know, my mom was a proud German, but my, she had immigrated here right after the war. So right. it's a very different cultural experience for her, right? Like it was following a pretty acrimonious time to put it lightly with German. Sure. So she, you know, felt the brunt of that for a number of years. So it was not common then to be, uh, as loud and proud about being German as it, as it would be today, for example, Uh, So the Greek side of things really dominated and uh, my, so my dad's the youngest of four kids. They're from uh, uh, Tripoli in Greece. Yeah. Really a really beautiful area. My grandparents were actually from different sides of a mountain, different villages or on a mountain. And they were, my grandmother was literally sent over on the queen Mary to marry my grandfather. And uh, they, you know, raised four kids and worked through the depression and, you know, put all three, they had three daughters and a son, put everyone through university, like really, really proud. I'm really proud of, of all that they, all that they really sacrificed and did for us. And so as a result, um, everyone was very involved in the Greek community and, and we still are so much so that my dad ended up going to law school and becoming a lawyer. And he started his own practice right out of uh, right after graduating on the Danforth in, in Toronto, so about half his clientele, and he's still, I should say, he's 70, he'll be 75 in June. He still works full time. Wow. Uh, and is, has his own practice in the exact same building. Uh, very Greek style. You know, we, we never stopped working, basically, as, as I'm sure you know, Tony. <laughs> and, um, and so we just, uh, yeah, like I said, we were raised Greek Orthodox. We raised on the Danforth. We lived three minutes away. And it's always been a huge part of who I am. And, and especially, I think, even more so when I left home, like when I started my career, I moved to Swift Current, Saskatchewan. And if you can believe it, there's a Greek community of about 40 people there, including a Greek church that the priest comes to once a month. Wow. <laughs> and it, it offered me, you know, as a complete stranger with no connections, I had never even stepped foot in Saskatchewan. It really offered me a sense of uh, community and belonging throughout my all my time away from home. So from Swift Current to Saskatoon to uh, Edmonton to Ottawa, I've kind of, you know, tried to embrace the Greek community in each of those places because they have been generous enough to, to embrace me in places where I really have no roots. And, and so I continue to be, like I said, a really, pr- a really proud. That's Greek.
2: great. No, that's, that's, uh, that's a wonderful set of stories. And, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a tight knit c- community. And, uh, mm-hmm. I tell this story and it's, it's a story, uh, uh, founded in, in, in love and affection. But, uh, when, uh, Stephen Harper was reelected in 2011, uh, he, uh, he decided in, in right after the election, he was going to go to Greece to meet with the Greek prime minister. And uh, it was a state, sort of a state visit. And he invited me along uh, to, as a, and Costas Menegakis, who were the kind of the two oh. Greeks in the caucus. And um, before he went, Dimitri Sudas, who was his communications director at the time, uh, went over beforehand just to arrange things. And they were having discussions with the Greek, uh, the Greek prime minister's office and saying, Mr. Harper wants to visit here. Mr. Harper wants to go there. uh I, uh, attending with Mr. Harper will be uh, Costas Minagakis and Tony Clement, who is president of the Treasury Board. And the Greeks said, you know, what's, what's a president of the Treasury Board? So <laughs> D- Dimitri said, well, he wanted to put it in, in layperson's terms. So he said, well, before any cabinet minister spends a dime of money, <laughs> they have to get the permission of the president of the, tr- of the Treasury Board. And the answer back from the Greek prime minister's office was, Wow, that's a really good idea. We should have thought of that a long time ago.
0: <laughs> would have saved them some trouble. It. <laughs> it would have saved them some trouble. So
2: I say that with lots of affection for Greek politics, but uh, maybe there's a little bit of truth there. I do have to ask this question? Uh, you know, obviously, it's a very strange time to be in media because obviously, mm-hmm. uh, You know, it's not only the legacy media, but you've got these new media channels. We're on a podcast, as an example, and there's all the social media stuff that's going on. And it really has been, I think, let let me put it in my own words and I'd love to get your reaction, but a a tough time for legacy media uh, taking hits. And then there's the, the, the whole issue of people's trust in media declining in this country. I believe the latest uh, the latest numbers were, you know, 20 percent of Canadians had complete trust in the media, which is a lot lower than it was, say, four or five years ago. So I, I just love to know, you know, how how you deal with that? How do you how do you try to rebuild some of that trust in, in your job?
0: For sure. I, I think it's a really important question to talk about. Uh, because it is it is real, right? Like there's, I, I, think, I think a lot of people who work in journalism right now are finding it really tough. And I know that it's easy to say, not necessarily easy, but it's, you know, media is painted as one big conglomerate and, and it, you know, there are humans behind that, right? Uh, at the same time, we're fallible. Like we, we make mistakes. Uh, we don't always get it right. I certainly, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. I, I have many times in the past. And so I have thought about this a lot, because if you're in the media, like I have been for you know 15 or so years, you feel that as well. And especially with the presence of social media, sometimes it feels like overwhelming, right? Like it feels mm-hmm. like actually everybody hates the media. Everybody hates you. Everybody hates your questions. Everybody- yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, which I, which I sort of had this weird realization through my maternity leave is not necessarily the case. Like a lot of people are on Twitter, but the whole world isn't. And I, I was so overwhelmed with the amount of people who had reached out or knitted me things or sent me books or uh, offered parenting advice. like it was it was very um, kind of renewed my my faith and, and made me a bit more my outlook a bit more positive if, if that can say a thing. but it, but it is a serious issue and it's one that I, I find it's hard to answer like, on behalf of all media, because I don't know the specific circumstances. And I and I I think there are, you know, it, it depends who you work for, where you work, a whole bunch of things. All I know is for myself, I really take the idea of being, uh, applying the same rigor with, with everybody I interview. And by that, I mean, I am really cognizant all the time of making sure I am, uh, you know, as equitable in my treatment of anyone from any political party. And, and I feel like for political journalism, it's even more challenging if that makes sense, because that's right. what people are really angry about. And I'm not saying the complaints are without merit. Like they, they don't come from nowhere uh, for sure, but there's a lot of nefarious things fueling them as well. Right. Um, you know, fake things on, on the net and, and, it, and it helps certain narratives to, you know, certain parties to have that narrative there and, and there like there's all that going on in the background. And I just find it like overwhelming at times. So I really have thought to myself, how do I deal with this? So I don't go on Twitter anymore. And because I feel like if I'm always reacting to how people are construing things or how they decide they feel about things, then I'm not really listening to my own instincts, right? And right. so I've really tried to tune it out and I've I just feel like I All I can do is check myself as much as possible and ask myself, like, am I asking the right questions here? Am I really grilling this person, you know, as much as I grilled the other guy from the other team? uh, Am I making sure that the stories I select are not only representative of a certain constituency in Canada? I'm trying as hard as I can to draw on my experience in other parts of the country Mm. or draw on the experiences of people who don't necessarily have the same upbringing or opportunities that I've had. Um, Am I talking about things that matter to people? Uh, Am I getting on guests that are reflective of more than one point of view? Like I, all I can offer is that that stuff consumes me. And as much as people criticize the legacy media and don't get me wrong, like I said, I do understand the criticism. Having worked for two, you know, I've worked for a private legacy media. Now I work for, and there's a whole host of, you know, I know people are upset about taxpayer money, all that stuff. All I know is that, since starting this show, I have never enjoyed such freedom insofar as nobody has ever said to me, why'd you have that person on? Uh, why did you ask that question? Why didn't right. you ask that question? Uh, so I I have the latitude and I hope, like, I feel like with that comes great responsibility, if that makes sense. Like I have such sure. a massive opportunity that I don't want to squander it. And I do feel a heavy responsibility to try my hardest to do, do the most fair and- unbiased job I can possibly do and I want to be able to sleep at night knowing I gave everything to that and I hope like bit by bit you know what I mean I can I can chip away at some of the uh, some of the issues with perception and some of the real issues that people have with the media like that's all I can be in charge of I can't control everybody else or everything else that happens outside of outside of the media and, and all the other things ecosystems at work but I can control, Myself, the questions I ask, and the people and the subjects I I have on the show, and so that's what I really try to do. It's a long answer, I'm sorry, but but it's a big question. I want to address it.
2: It's a big it's a big question, and I'm really fascinated about your approach to social media. I I've adopted post and ghost, as as I call it. I just <laughs> I use I use the media to advance this podcast, adv- advance a TV show that I have, or or whatever, uh, or whatever I've I've written, or that kind of thing. But I don't. I don't, you know, sit on Twitter and see the flow of of stuff. So it sounds like you're doing the same thing. But there are other journalists who do the exact opposite of that. I, you know, at some yeah. points I wonder, are you actually being, you know, do you have time to be a journalist when you're on Twitter all the time? I don't know. So it's it's kind of almost the two extremes, right?
0: Yeah, I think some people find, I mean, some people find like, oh, I'm getting a gauge on how people think, or I, I just found it. When I started on it, I really enjoyed it. Like I was in Alberta, I was in a reporter at the ledge, and people were like, legitimately interested in how come this question got asked? Or what happened in QP today? And it was, it was great. It was like interacting with the people who watched the news, like, what's wrong with that? And then it morphed into this, like, I don't even know how to explain it. And I, and I realized when I went on maternity leave, like, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. And I was like, great. And then I didn't miss it for one single second. Right. And so I I just really thought to myself, I think the only reason I'm on here is because I feel like almost insecure, you know, like I should be because other people are, or what if people don't know what I'm, you know, think, you know, tweeting about, or that I don't seem like I'm relevant, but like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I just want to be good at, at my job. I want to do a fair job. I don't care if I'm relevant in the world of social media. I really don't. I've, I've made that conscious decision. I want to spend more time with my kid rather than on my phone. And that's just it. But if if it, And I'm lucky to have bosses that support
2: that, basically. Sure. Well, that's 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 good to hear. That's good to hear. I'd love to know, do you, do you interact with uh, aspiring journalists like uh, journalism school students and so on? And if so... What sort of advice do you give them?
0: I have in the past. I haven't for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I they definitely, there are lots of individuals who reach out to me. And right. it's funny because a lot of them reference what we were just talking about. Sort of, uh, how do you deal with everyone who hates you? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of them seem really, I, I, I think that's a good question because it, I can really tell, and maybe you can too. I, I think a lot of them are kind of like, should I be doing this? Like, it doesn't seem very rewarding anymore uh and so my advice is still i'm i'm like an optimist by nature i believe in 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 this i don't feel like i'm doing god's work or anything like that i'm not one of those people but but i like this job i think it's an amazing opportunity to have a first row seat to history Mm -hmm. and and especially political journalism like accountability is awesome at the end of Mm -hmm. the day right like even look at what's happening in ukraine the work of journalists there like that is that is some important stuff that is worth you know, entering into at the same time, I'm really cognizant. I, you know, I'm like, you have to grow a thick skin. You have to realize your job is not to be liked. And it, and, and it sounds easier than it is because we all kind of have this tendency to want to be liked and it's something you have to shed and you have to be prepared for it. You are not there to be liked. You are there to do a job and you have to be able to sleep at night knowing that you're, like I said, like you're, you're trying your best to do that job holding true to the values that are important to you and to your profession. And not everybody gets that right. I'm right. sure I don't many times as well, but I, I definitely sort of impart that, like, don't go in here thinking that you're going to be this popular journalist from like the 1950s, like that doesn't exist anymore. Right. <laughs> you gotta have a thick skin.
2: Yeah, it's I, I definitely. And, uh, uh, what I've noticed is, uh, I mean, I think this is the this is the classic case of uh, one side accusing you of being too close to conservatives and the other side is saying you're, you're in the pocket of, of the left. Mm -hmm. And so probably a little bit of both uh, criticism means you're, you're probably on the right track, right? (laughs)
0: That's what I, that's what I choose to tell myself. (laughs) That's
2: right. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Jody Jenkins, do you have any parting uh, words or questions for our guest?
1: No, I think it's been uh, wonderful to hear uh, Vashi talk about, uh, Experiences and, and one thing I will say I mean, as a broadcaster for 20 plus years and tapping into my skill set there, I've been able to read between the lines from some of your comments, and the answer is yes, we would both be honored to be on the show. Uh, <laughs> you know. So well,
0: I've I've drawn on Tony's expertise many times. Now I get to have now now I can bring on you as well. We're a tag well. team.
1: I don't know if you've heard, but we're actually going to be. You know, I listened to your the,
0: open. Now I'm very clear on that. Yeah,
1: we're, we uh yeah we do everything together, and uh, we're also running for the conservative leadership as a tag team. <laughs> And I should say, I should point out that, so we announced that a long time ago. It and was and weeks what it ago. Happens, yeah. And then Jean and Patrick do the same uh, thing. So.
2: How dare I know they? They stole our idea, Vashi. It's, How it's really dare quite badly. How yeah.
0: dare they? My goodness.
2: <laughs> uh, Vashi, it's been great to have you on the program. Uh, we wish you every success. It's a tough job being a journalist these days, but uh, it's great to have your voice out there. Thanks for being on our program.
0: It's my total pleasure. I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much.
1: Excellent discussion with Vashi, and I didn't say this to her on the show, but her comments about being cognizant of being fair and equitable to everyone certainly comes across. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of the CBC. We've talked about it, but I said to you before when you mentioned she was coming on, I said, like, she's probably the only one, and and I'm, I'm sure there's others that do it too, but she is, like, very clearly down the middle all the time, I find, and even with everyone, so...
2: Yeah no I when you look at the CBC like like the it's like anything you have Vashi Capellos on one uh, you know there's a bunch of people like Vashi Capellos and there's a bunch of people that Maybe do uh, maybe are not quite at the pinnacle of what you'd like to see, and and that's probably true of CTV and probably true of Global News. It's it's tough sometimes because uh, there's all these uh, different personality types and whatnot. But uh, certainly she's very sincere in what she wants to come across, and uh, she uh, she takes her job very seriously. So that's that's wonderful.
1: Yes, and I can, you can hear my daughters in the oh, background. Oh, that's your now. daughter. Yeah. She's made her way. She wants to sit with me. Yep, yeah, you can sit with me. We're gonna turn this down though for a second, okay? It is March break after all, so all the kids are uh, home, and my dad's playing. What is that, uh, Mister Mom? Remember that show with I Michael Keaton?
2: I remember Mister Mom. Keaton. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: I always remember that because didn't he dry like the one kid's uh, bottom or with butt
2: a, with a hair dryer?
1: The uh, hair dryer in the in the bathroom. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, anyway, okay, exactly. Man, hold on.
1: So, yeah, so that was great. And we're looking forward to uh, some great feedback on that program. And I guess we should probably thank our sponsors and then get to it. I guess I'll be seeing you this week as well. Is that correct?
2: Yes, we've got a little event going on in Trenton. We'll talk about that maybe next podcast. But uh, again, thanks to Municipal Solutions and MunicipalSolutions.ca for their their uh, their primary sponsorship, uh, their title sponsorship, and then Canada Strong and Free Networking Conference. Go to canadastrongandfree.network. Find out about that wonderful conference coming up in May.
1: And always don't forget to go to looneypolitics.com where you can become an annual subscriber. Use the code podcast to get 50% off your annual subscription and hear shows uh, like ours that you can't catch Anywhere else, and Tony. Before I let you go, too, when we connect this week, guys, uh, someone just messaged me at an event we're going to—not the big one, but there's an earlier one. Yeah, they want you to bring your guitar because they want it to jam. So, really? Yes. True so story. I bring
2: an electric or, or mm-hmm. an acoustic?
1: Good question. Can you do one of both? Or <laughs> I'll try to figure it out.
2: Yeah, I'll bring but my he's got, hollow he's body. Not
1: quite the setup. He's got all the gear. So
2: okay, okay. Well, uh, we'll figure it out then. That sounds like fun.
1: All right. Well, we will do this again in seven days.
2: You betcha.